Good morning, everybody. So we're recording ourselves now. So if you want to put all yourselves on mute, that would be absolutely wonderful and brilliant. Thank you very much. A few quick notices for Jill, leaders in worship this morning. Uh, our Wednesday prayer group is going to meet on Wednesday. I know the day this week. Usually I ask Jill, but th today I decided I'd know what day it is. So it's on Wednesday on Zoom at eight o'clock. That's uh, this Wednesday, the prayer group. Uh, Thursday, it's our next church council meeting. And the agenda and a monthly cash flow from Paul is going to be attached in the Tuesday email. If you need the link and don't really get the Tuesday email, send me a text or something, because I know Margaret needs it as a phone link. So I'll be able to send it to anyone who doesn't really read the email on a Tuesday or can't. And that'll be OK. If you can't make it, send apologies to me directly today and I'll make sure I'll give you the minutes. And if you attend a course, I'll give you the minutes just because, you know, we're going to start on time, eight o'clock. So it's best not to just get on there a few seconds before, because probably will have started when you get on. So maybe come on at five two or so. You don't need to hang about in the same room all that time. But if you want to make sure you're on a few minutes before eight o'clock, then you'll know you'll catch the beginning. This week I had 20 Direction magazines delivered. So they're all uh, plastic wrapped and everything. So everything's going to be fine with those. And I'll be delivering them to the people I know that uh, will read them and appreciate them this coming Friday when I deliver the minutes and deliver the onward as well. So, uh, yeah, so that'll be coming out this week. Coming. Uh, there's going to be breakout rooms at the end. So if you want to have a stop and a chat, that'll be really good to see you then. Right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful sunshine. Thank you for the blue sky that we can see out of the window. Thank you that it's bright and it, cheer well, it cheers me up. I hope it cheers most people up. God, I thank you for the picture that uh, the sun is always there, whether it's cloudy, whether it's blue sky and sunshine, and we can see, see it really obviously. It's always there. And God, that is the same for you. You are always there. Whether we can see you, whether we can feel you, whether we can see you obviously working, whether we can't see you obviously working, God, we know that you are there. And as we are continuing through this, this time of COVID, this time of ups and downs and roller coastery all over the place life, God, we want to fix our gaze on you. Lord, we know you're there. We know you're our loving Heavenly Father. So I pray you'll help us this morning to uh, hear you, to see you, to engage with you and to be willing to go where you want us to go. Help us to be willing to, to hear and obey. Amen. Amen. OK, let's uh, let's start our focusing and our, our worship and our looking to God and our praising God um, with uh, a video. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you. 
sometimes isn't it I am so distracted so easily by the world um, God I thank you that one day there won't be any problem with giving you worship because it'll just be heaven and and you will be the entire focus God I pray that you will change my heart so it's more like that right now God develop me and change me so that I can worship you and praise you as you deserve. Amen. Let's continue. And uh, the, I love the words of this song. Um, how good it is to be loved by you. Now then, I've got more things to do here. So just a moment. Thank you. 
speaking out loud it's fine it's fine here we go good morning the reading this morning is taken from 1 chronicles chapter 16 starting at verse 8 give thanks to the lord call on his name make known among the nations what he has done 
Sing to praise him. Sing praises to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and his judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servants, O son of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commands for a thousand generations. The covenant he has made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirms it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion you will inherit. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring him offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everlasting in them. Let the trees of the forest will sing. They will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Brilliant. Thank you so much for reading that for us this week, Barbara. Um, I'm going to hand over to John for his uh, first part now. And after this, Paul is going to uh, uh, bring our prayers. So just a nod to you for that, Paul. Thank you. Go for it, my lovely. Brilliant. If you uh, had seen the words earlier, because the thing about the words is sometimes we know them and we don't need the words on the screen anyway. And sometimes it's just like a bit helpful to have them. But over the sort of next few weeks, we'll have the logo of this uh, series of talks on them. So later on, you'll see the words again and you'll see the little logo in the screen. Because last week we started a new series of talks on listening in great prayers of the Bible. So over the next eight weeks, October and November, we're hopefully going to answer six questions. What is prayer? What might God do? What should I do? What can I learn from others who have prayed? What's the point of prayer? And use them a second hand. What is, why is prayer still crucial in the 21st century? Last time we were thinking about that God gives us all invitations to have conversations of prayer with him. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1, there's an interjection at the start of the verse in Hebrew. Jill and I have had a little bit of a laugh at that this week by having interjections in our language with each other this week. And we said, ah, there's another interjection we've made. But in the interjection in Hebrew, the word is hoi. And God is really getting our attention because we're all so busy. But God says, wait, listen. You need to listen to what I have to say, and I want you to obey what I want you to say. God says, don't hurry away from my time with me. Don't hurry away, but have an attitude of wanting to lounge around with me, to really spend quality time with me. We thought about that last week. Last week as well, we also thought about a normal and fallible man that I really do relate to. His name, of course, is Gideon, and he had a few conversations with God indeed. And I mentioned three personal challenges that I'd found after reading about Gideon for a few weeks. Gideon wasn't having a quiet time when God called came along and called him. Gideon didn't see himself as God saw him. 
And Gideon wasn't keen on what God was asking him to do. So that's a bit of a summary of what we spent hours and hours thinking about last week. OK, it was only about 15 minutes, but it uh, that's just gives you a bit of a summary. Today, we're concentrating our two short talks on King David. And neither of these are actually prayers, as you have heard from what Barbara was saying. It wasn't a prayer as such, but we are going to ponder on a prayer that David made in two weeks time. But those stories, the one that Barbara read to us and the one that I'll read in a few minutes, don't show a prayer, but they show an attitude towards prayer and towards God. They're like an, in, an instruction manual. You know, if you need to do something that you don't know about, sometimes you might get a dummies book like this. So years ago, I got this classical music for dummies. Uh, you've probably got dummies book on all kinds of things. You can get them on all sorts of things, can't you? And what David was doing, he was giving us a dummies book, though in beautiful language, to how to go into God's presence, how to talk to him, how to have a conversation with him, how to enjoy your company with him. King David didn't intentionally set out to help us with our God conversations, though. He set out to help his musicians and singers who were from the tribe of Levi. Do you fancy a quick roller coaster uh, walk back into history? Great, a few thumbs up. Thank you very much. Even Jill over here is giving a thumbs up to that. Do you know what? The Ark of the Covenant, God told Moses, make this big box, cover it with gold, put in the two tablets of stone of which have the Ten Commandments on them because they're very important. Carry them with long poles and make sure you look after them. And the reason they're so important is because they symbolised God's presence with the Israelites. And we read about the Ark of the Covenant a lot in the book of Exodus and Joshua. And of course, you might have seen some films from America that talk about the Ark of the Covenant being found in 1936 as well. But it wasn't. But, but they're good stories, aren't they? Indiana Jones just uh, reminded me of who it was. But even though we heard a lot about them in Exodus and Joshua, after a while, the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. And for about 20 years, they held it. Eventually, the Israelites got them back and they arrived at their capital city, Jerusalem. How were they pleased? They were top pleased, weren't they? They were really excited because the symbol of God's presence was now at their central part of their country, the, 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 the capital city the part that meant the best. So how did David tell his musicians and his singers, and us really, to celebrate the return of the ark? Well, what Barbara read was a lot of what he said. And a lot of those sections are found in Psalms 105, 96, and Psalm, 100, Psalm 106 as well. And these verses show what our attitudes should be in prayer, conversations, and in our life generally. I've got three points that I want us to think about very briefly this morning. The first one, and all about acknowledging things. The first one was acknowledging what God had done in the past. In verse 12 of what Barbara read, it uses the word remember. Now, the Hebrew word for remember is zorkar. And it's really interesting. When I was looking it up this week, it says, remember and call to mind what has happened in the past so that present feelings, thoughts or actions are affected. So we're not just remembering things to have a good old, oh, that was lovely in the good old days. We're remembering them and thinking about them. So what we do say and think is different. That's what remembering in this Hebrew word means. If we we're going to think about, here's a big word, the syntax. OK, it's not a big word, but it's a deep word. If we we're going to think about the syntax of the Hebrew sentence, we'd say that this verb is an imperative. That, of course, means it's a command. 
So God isn't saying, oh, remember about it if you want to, when you've got time and if the sun's shining in your life, it's okay. God is saying, it's a command. Remember what I've done. It's very important. So, you know the answer to this, but I'll ask the question anyway. Why do we need to remember what God has done in the past? Is it just to make God feel about what he's done to make him feel better about it all? No, not at all. It's nothing to do with God. God is gracious and lovely because he's reminding us and telling us to remember the things he's done because it's good for us. I wonder what would happen if this next couple of weeks until the end of October, if instead of in our prayer conversations with God, we said we didn't say, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, that person needs that. Oh, Lord, what about Nakorno Karabakh at the moment? What about this country? What about that? What would our prayer lives be like until the end of the month if we weren't praying for something, but all we were doing was thanking God for what he has done, remembering God's character, remembering what he's done in our lives in the past, and reading biographies and what other people have experienced of God. What would our prayer life be? I reckon it would revolution us because instead of being thinking about God a little bit, oh Lord, will you? We'd be saying, oh Lord, you have. Lord, how brilliant that you did so and so. Oh Lord, how wonderful that you parted the Red Sea. Oh Lord, thank you for Jericho's walls falling. Wow, how good would that be? Number one, then, that was acknowledging what God has done in the past. Number two, re acknowledging that we are relying totally on God now. In verse 11 of what Barbara read, she, it says that we're to seek his face. And often we use the word seek as part of a game, don't we? Do you remember when you were younger, you might have played hide and seek? Again. That is totally not what God is saying. He's not saying, if you seek my face, you'll find me because I'm hiding and, and you, you can't see me. God, we know, has given us an invitation to come into his presence. What he's doing is saying, seek me. And if you seek me, you'll have a deeper relationship with me. If you seek me with all your heart, you'll know me better. Between you and me, Let's just pretend Jill isn't listening. I like to seek Jill's face. It's far better for us two to have a conversation with each other if we're in the same room and we can see each other's face. If she's upstairs and I'm downstairs and we kind of increase the decibel level between each other, it's not the same as talking face to face with each other. And that's what God is saying. Come and have a face to face conversation with me. Don't shout your prayers. Come and sit down. Come and kneel at my feet. Come and experience my intimacy with you. The love and joy that you'll find in my presence. And as we do that, we're admitting we need him. We're not just doing our things in our own sweet way and just having a five minute prayer time with God various times of the day. We're spending time with him. We're lounging around with him. I remember how reading so many of the Gospels, how when Jesus was going around Galilee, multitudes of people wanted to be with him. And even though Jesus can't be seen physically now, I want me and all of you to really say, yes, I want to spend time with God. In the priestly blessing in Numbers chapter six, we know part of the, the uh, blessing says the Lord turn his face towards you. But we'll be looking at that prayer in a few weeks time. So two acknowledgements so far. We're acknowledging what God has done in the past and we're acknowledging that we're totally relying on God now. We're seeking his face because without him, what we do isn't so great. Third thing, and this is a hard one. Acknowledging that we're a small part in God's bigger picture. Earlier, I said that 
God's done a lot in the Bible and his God has done a lot over the last 2000 years. But can I give you some breaking news? God is still doing an enormous amount around the world at the moment. I don't even know what God is doing in your life, let alone the 130,000 people that live in our borough. What is God doing in their lives at the moment? How is God interacting with them? There are nearly 68 million people living in this country. What is God saying to them? How are they responding? Within the next 30 years, I read that there's probably going to be about 9 billion people on the earth. How is God speaking to all of those people? If you name a country in the world, here's my globe. If you name a country, God is doing something there. China, God is doing something there. Brazil, God is doing something there. Cape Verde, Little Islands, God is doing something there. All we have to do is say to him, Lord, thank you. I'm just a small part of what you're doing. But that is so brilliant because it talks about what Barbara read about the families of nations and all the earth. So even though we're just a small part, collectively and individually, the head of the church, which is so diverse, recently I was thinking, Oh, thank you, Lord, for NCF. But then I started thinking, well, thank you for this church. You can look on the Internet for, for all these different thousands of church websites, can't you? And just find out what they're doing. And I was saying, Lord, thank you for what you're doing at NCF. But thank you, Lord, for this church. I just put a city in, I put churches in Panama or something. I can't remember what I did, but it's like you can do it yourself. You're on the Internet, just put churches in Panama or name a city. And it will take you to a church website and you can read it. Now, of course, if it's in Portuguese or Italian or something like that, not many of us can read that. But you can get an idea from the photos and everything just to look on church websites from overseas and just say, Lord, thank you. We're a small part of what you're doing, but you're doing so much around the world. Not all the churches in the world meet at 11 o'clock BST like we do. It's all the time zones, all sort of mountains, drizzle, hot weather, on a boat, in a big building, in a small building, in someone's home. The church is massive and diverse and we're a small part of it and that is a brilliant thing. It makes us humble and when we feel and know about our humility then we can focus on God's strength, his might and his overwhelming power. So what is our attitude to God like? Are we acknowledging in our prayer conversations with God what is done in the past? Do we acknowledge that we're totally reliant on God now? And do we acknowledge as well and acknowledge that we're just a small part of what God is doing in the world? We're going to be changed because our faith is going to be deepened and our love for each other is going to be strengthened. God wants us to have a prayer conversation with all of us. But in our attitudes to him, he will know whether we mean business or not. Each day we all need to answer his call to stop, to wait, to listen and obey. Thank you. Over to you, Paul. Thank you, John. Today we want to give thanks for answered prayers. We want to give thanks that Kathy is regaining movement. We want to give thanks that Naomi's operation went well and she's on the road to recovery. And we want to pray for all the other answered prayers that you, Lord, know about. But no one else does. Father, you know everything. And you know the prayers which we ask of you. And you know our situations. And we thank you that you deal with each one of them. 
We pray for Sinjin and his family as he, tra- he has traveled to Korea to deal with the continuing issues there. We pray for God's guiding hand to be with him as he does that. And for God's arms to be around the family as they're waiting for news and dealing with the fact that he is so far away. We pray for everyone in NCF's congregation as they continue to handle the continuing COVID situation in their own ways. That they might love and support each other as they do so. We also want to pray for John and Jill, that they will feel loved and supported as they lead NCF under God's guiding hand through these unprecedented times. That they and the church would remain strong and look for ways to support those around us through this difficult time. We pray for the American people as they prepare to vote in the presidential election that they will see past all of the rhetoric and vote as God leads. We pray for our own leaders as they deal with the joint issues of completing Brexit and coping with the continuing COVID pandemic. Both seem far from easy, so we ask for them to hear God's leading as they look for solutions. The disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. And as we raise these things before God, let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Let's uh, continue our worship. We're going to sing along with a, a video that's not John's now. Um, uh, not, I mean, John's really has a prayer, but, you know, let's just shake it up, have a change. Um, anyway, yeah, my hope is built on nothing less.
day that's coming when we're going to stand before your throne. Thank you, Lord, that it's not our righteousness, but your righteousness that we'll be clothed in. And Lord, we do thank you that it's you who's done it. Lord, we are grateful, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, with King David's help, we've considered the attitudes that are vital in our prayer conversations with God. Three of them, if you remember. We need to acknowledge in our prayer conversation what God has done in the past. We need to acknowledge that we're totally relying on God now. And we need to acknowledge that we're just a small part of God's bigger picture. So that's three acknowledgements. Here's another attitude that I think will be really good for us to think about. If you want to turn to it, it's the end, the very end of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 16, 18, 18. So turn to that if you want to. I'll read that out now. 2 Samuel 24 verse 18. It's a story many of you will have heard of before. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through God. Gad. When Arunath looked and saw the king and his officials coming towards him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offerings, and here are threshing sludges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Aruna, gives all this to the king. Aruna also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aruna, 
No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Does prayer have a cost? Should prayer have a cost? There's a Hebrew word, kinom, and it's an adverb, obviously meaning gratis, free, nothing. But King David knew it was wrong to pretend to give something to God when it really was someone else's. I really like how verse 24 is put in the message. But the king said to Aruna, no, I've got to buy it from you for a good price. I'm not going to offer God, my God, sacrifices that are no sacrifice. I'm not going to offer to God, my God, sacrifices that are no sacrifice. I wonder, is the time you give to having a prayer conversation with God always convenient for you? Do you always set the time, the place and the length? Or do you like Gideon, allow God to speak to you when it isn't always convenient, when you're busy maybe? What do you do in that situation if God speaks to you and you're just doing an omelette or you're doing something else that's really busy and you can't do anything else do you just put everything down and just say lord i can hear you speaking to me i'm going to stop what i'm doing and listen to you do you do that like i do sometimes and try to multitask you're trying to still uh, do something that you can't get out of like teaching the piano or whatever it might be, something at work and you have to do it and you know, you're there and you're listening to God and you're having a conversation with God in your head, but you're also talking to someone about the way they've uh, praised something or whatever they've done. Maybe you do that. Or maybe you hear God speak and you just think, I'm too busy. God, will you keep on speaking to me in a couple of hours or tomorrow or the next day? I'm too busy to listen to you at the moment, God. Do you allow God to make your life messy? Or do you want and only allow God to just have everything in closely defined times, places? If Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, then how can we put God in a box? How can we stop saying how can we stop and say to God, Lord, I can hear you speak to me, but I'm busy. Can you come back another day? If he's our Lord and Saviour, he's our Lord and Saviour. Earlier we sung the hymn, my hope is built on nothing less. Remember the, corner, the chorus? Cornerstone. And of course, years gone by, the cornerstone, and it still is, but the cornerstone or the foundation stone was the one of the most important parts of the house. Because from there, you set where the house was and where all the walls were going to go. And so it was the foundation stone. Now, of course, today and for the last hundred years or so, we've had foundation stones that look pretty, but they're not really foundation stones. They just got a lovely message on them. But a real foundation stone sets where the walls go and where the other bricks and stones go. Is Jesus in your life like a foundation stone, a cornerstone? Does everything in your life derive from having Jesus as central, as having him as your Lord and Saviour? We do need to know that prayer can be costly. Not just in the time when God might speak to us, but sometimes as we pray, God might say to you, 
I want you to spend a morning a week doing such and such a thing. Or maybe it's going to be an hour a fortnight doing X, Y or Z. Helping someone in the meeting. We've got to be ready to give sacrificially after we've prayed and be the answer to that prayer. Our prayer conversations with God can't just be words, can they? God sees the attitudes of our hearts. And as we pray on our own, or even better with other believers, so as we spend great time and lovely time with God, so our lives are changed because we see the cost that is involved, if we're serious about it. If you were with us last week, I read a quote from Smith Wigglesworth. Here it is again. The reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christian people are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally and praying sometimes. It is an awful thing for God to see people who profess to be Christians lifeless, powerless and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it is difficult to tell people to tell which place they are in, whether in the flesh or in the spirit. There's a prayer that I have a lot recently for myself, and I want to pray it for you as well. And that is that God would call us, cause us to be dissatisfied with our lives. Perhaps at the moment you're satisfied and everything is really lovely and good. And so it might be that God is just a part of your life, but not the cornerstone, not the foundation, not central. Your prayer, your worship, your way of life is costing you nothing. You're sacrificing things that aren't a sacrifice. I want our prayer lives to grow more deeply and our love for each other to grow much stronger. Prayer, we know, like we've said, isn't just words. Prayer leads to action. And we know these actions can cost us sometimes if we're going to say, Lord, whatever you say to me, I will do. It doesn't matter. Lord, you're calling me to do something and I intend to do it. So what are your attitudes to God? What are your attitudes to the prayer conversations we briefly looked at today and last time? And all of those conversations we'll be looking at through October and November. Are we going to stop? We're going to wait. Are we going to listen and obey to what God says? Are we going to acknowledge who God is, what he's done in the past, how we need him and rely on him in the future and in the present? And how we're only a small part of what God is doing. Are you willing to give everything to God? Maybe you've done it in the past, but what about today? I look on the screen and I see people that have got testimony of going to different lands to do things for God. Coming to our land to do things for God. And how grateful we are that people from other countries have come to the United Kingdom to do things and they've left their families, their friends. Is God calling you to do that? To lay something really important to you down and say, Lord, whatever you ask, I will do it because you are the Lord. You are my saviour. Andrew Murray wrote this. At times, God, God cannot hear the prayer of your lips because the worldly desires of your heart cry out much more loudly. What is God hearing from you this morning? Is he hearing our desires to do better things, do greater things, and that all revolves around us? Or can you hear our attitude saying, Lord, I need you. I love you. Be God in my life. I don't want to put you in a box. Be the cornerstone of my life.
So I'm going to pray and then Jill's going to come back and lead us in some more worship. Lord, we do thank you for that invitation to come into your presence and the invitation to make you the chief cornerstone, the foundation stone of our lives. Lord, we pray that our attitudes will be one of humility in your presence and outside your presence, if there's such a thing. But Lord, our attitude will be one of knowing what you've done and remembering it and of relying on you today and tomorrow. And to remember that you're doing so many amazing things around the world and we're a significant part, but a small part. Lord, we are grateful that you want to be with us and you want us to be intimate with you. So, Lord, we do offer our lives to you again and say, Lord, we are sorry when we put ourselves first and our, our desires first, rather than putting you first, making you the cornerstone. So, Lord, we do that with your help today so that we can be different people and not just people that are still the same after decades of knowing you. Lord, come and change us by your Holy Spirit today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Right, let's uh, bring our service to an end with two songs, uh, one on a video and then one we'll uh, sing and, and join with John on the piano. Um, so we'll start with um, There is Strength in the Sorrow. This is a brilliant song telling us who God is. God is sovereign. Who's in charge? God is. Amen.